This is Kate Breton with Rebirth, a podcast about women changing lives by living their own. Hi, this is Kate Breton with Rebirth, and today we have a phenomenal woman. She's a writer, speaker, a longtime friend, and some one of those people, we all have a friend or two or meet somebody in our business that you are better for knowing them. And Marissa Paselli is one of those people. I've met people recently that are getting to know her. And um, there's a common phrase that's used. I say, oh, I know Marissa. And the next person says, oh, I love Marissa. So I'm really excited for you to meet her today through the podcast, because I believe that you are um, left better than before you met her. How are you today, Marissa? Holy cow, Kate, thank you. I'm so happy (laughs) to be here and, and feeling even more marvelous after that very sweet introduction. Thank you. You're welcome. I appreciate you making the time because I know you're busy. You've got a lot of things going on and I can't (laughs) wait to tell people about them. But can you give us a little bit of, we aren't always what we do, but when we do what we love, it's it's an easier thing to claim. So what what do you do, Marissa? So I am a person who is carrying on a lifelong romance with words. And Mm. the way that is currently manifesting itself um, is as a writer and a speaker, I, in a nutshell, help businesses and individuals express themselves with joy through the written word. And that can take many forms. Um, It can be the copy on your website. It can be um, a LinkedIn profile or a resume. But through all of these things, the common thread is authenticity, and I truly believe in the the joyousness of the writing process that should be built into it. Um, and when we connect to the power of words, the end result is something that connects us to ourselves, to other people, and to something even bigger. A beautiful description. I agree with you. And I find that writing and, and capturing or activating our voice is terrifying for a lot of people. It certainly is, especially, you know, I talk to a lot of people who say that they're really good at writing, but when it comes to themselves, that's where the drop-off point is. And I think that that's because at that point, we're confronted not just with a theoretical skill, but with the whole specter of self-realization. And um, it's, it's something that if it's not an area that you're used to delving into, or even if you are used to it, you realize the significance of it. And so there's a great degree of import placed upon the words that you use to express yourself. Mm-hmm. And that can cause some trepidation for people, but I'm all, um, I'm all about helping people to understand that it doesn't need to be a daunting or feel fearful experience, but really can be a joyous uh, journey of self-discovery and expression. I can feel the exhale if someone's listening right now and they're like, can, can they work with you from it? I mean, normally I wait, but just, just in case you're like, I don't want to wait till the end of the podcast. Can people work with you from wherever, oh, right? Goodness you, gracious, you work yes. remotely? Have mm-hmm. laptop, will travel. And I work virtually, um, you know, as a writer, it's one of the joys. I just work from home. Often I go to coffee houses or I speak with people on the phone or, or via Zoom chat. So there's no geographical, um, you know, obstacle to my working with anybody. And LinkedIn is this, either you understand it or you don't. And I, you know, there's so many aspects to you, but, but I feel like that could be such a help to some people listening. Like, I don't get LinkedIn. Like, why has this become such a big thing? Could you just educate us a little bit on that? Oh my gosh. I'm so glad you asked because I am a LinkedIn evangelist. I love (laughs) this platform. I, I mean, I like 
all platforms that that help people to express themselves and they all are their own art form in, in a particular way even resumes you know the short kind of joe friday just the facts ma'am kind of expression <laughs> but linkedin i like to tell people is like dostoevsky with a vodka saying tell me a story it is <laughs> narrative it's narrative in nature um it is mm. the place where you can write in first person and create um that automatically creates more synergy between you and your reader. It takes away the buffer of um, sort of that monologue or, um, or lecture kind of feeling that some other types of documents can have. And like the I, resume, exactly. where you're supposed to not be yourself, right? right. You're supposed well, to be a third person entity. Third person, yes, but I, there are ways to infuse personality into resume as well, and I, that's mm. exciting too. But what I find with LinkedIn, especially with, with people who, um, and this works for everybody, but I find it is, this is a very welcome news to people who are within the fields of holistic practices, um, alternative medicine, wellness, anything that is um, requ might require some explanation. Like if I'm a lawyer, you know what I do. If I'm a CPA, right. you know what I do. If I do vibrational sound therapy, you might need some explanation. Okay. <laughs> so, and I love vibrational sound therapy, but LinkedIn gives you the opportunity to tell that story. What is it? What drew you to it? It's a much more why-based kind of format and it really gives people who might require a little bit more explanation to form that connection with their target audience um the the format the open forum for doing that it's beautiful it's a beautiful format i love it and the, i can hear that and i can feel like the your true passion behind it so for someone listening i, I mean i've i've talked to you about linkedin before and i tried to convert someone and they said i don't get any business from linkedin and i don't again i don't want to make this all about linkedin sure. but i think it ties into a lot of things that you do. So if someone had that as a rejection, is that because we're not communicating our worth? Like, is that because we're not possessing the, the, the format? Like, yeah. what would you... I think there are two main problems people run into with LinkedIn. Um, the first is that they don't utilize the format for its strengths. They make it the online receptacle of their resume. And that will automatically fail. <laughs> I mean, it might ne not necessarily fail horrifically, but you will not get the traction from it and the, the hits from it that you're hoping because that's not what the format was built for. It was built for, like I said, a much more narrative, um, interactive sort of practice. The second problem that people run into, even if they have a great profile and they've represented themselves authentically and they've also done the, the, you know, the background work of making sure that the keywords are in inserted into the right places for the algorithm. There is some of that still in it. Um, even if they've done all that, if you don't then leverage it correctly, it, it falls flat as well. So you, you need to have not just the presence of the words, but your presence there on a consistent basis as a contributor. And I like to um, advise people to follow the number one rule of interaction on LinkedIn, which is be a mensch. Just be a decent person, right? You know, it's don't just go on there and saturate it with your own blog posts or your own um, promotions. Hey, I'm selling this. I'm doing that. Join my program. Um, go on there and be a support to other people. Uh, and the last thing that I will say in this topic, because I, I, I don't want to bog us down on it, is yeah. um, one of my favorite practices on LinkedIn is a monthly um, kindness spree. 
to just go on LinkedIn once a month and go through my contacts and see what can I do to support that person? How can I say something nice about them? Maybe I'll endorse a skill that they have. Maybe I'll write them a, a recommendation. Maybe I'll like one of their posts. Maybe I'll click on something and make a comment. But I, first of all, I just believe in putting kindness out into the virtual world. Well, that's yeah. what I'm hearing. I'm not even hearing that this is about LinkedIn. And I think that's, that's one of the beauties of, of yourself is this is, this is a life, this is a life mindset. This has nothing to, it has nothing to do with LinkedIn and it has everything. I understand that. But if you aren't practicing, practicing this from an internal place, it'll still fall yeah. flat because. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. Absolutely. That's gorgeous. A monthly li- LinkedIn kindness um, yes. spree. Now, h- how did you get, cause this is why I don't want to spend too much time, although just those few minutes and someone could, you know, book a, a coaching session with you on LinkedIn. It's not just you helping them with LinkedIn, but you could, you also Absolutely. coach people. There's hours they can. Okay. So if you're listening to that, you can um, find Marissa on her um, website, wordtree.net. Yes. Correct. Absolutely correct. Okay. And they can find you on LinkedIn. <laughs> so they, you can already um, go that route, but how did you, I don't think people say, oh, I want to be a LinkedIn master craftsman. How did you end up in this position that you're, and that's only one thing that you do. We'll get into the others, but how did you get where you are right now? Where were you before this? Uh, Okay. So you want just sort of a little overview of career to this point? Is that what you're Okay. Yeah. I mean, if you tell me a little, but then you can elongate the the spot that was right before this as well. Okay, sure. So, um, Really, I started in education, and my my first um, foray into education, I had no idea I wanted to be a teacher growing up. I never thought I want to be anything in particular growing up. I just wanted to read books and travel. So, um, <laughs> um, so I guess independently wealthy was, was my you know was my goal there. Um, but I, I grew up with this idea because my dad had been in the Peace Corps. He had been in India for two years. So I grew up with this idea that before you settle down and you, you know, you get the job, the nine to five job, you go out into the wide world and you give something to it. Um, So I I went to Slovakia and I taught, it was volunteer work and I taught English um, as a second language to the uh, high school students and community classes. And this was centered around the first Catholic high school that was allowed to open in the country since the fall of communism there. Um, And the minute I stepped in front of a classroom, I thought, Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I loved it. And it was a natural fit. And then I, I did that year and then I came back to America and I got a job in the high paying world of Catholic education. <laughs> so, um, so I taught Latin and, uh, and religion um, for 17 years in high schools in Philadelphia. And um, I loved that. And it became time after that. For, you know, I'm not, not going to go into this too much here, but it became time to leave. And yeah, I but went it's, into the corporate world. To just leave. Yeah. Um, for five years. I worked for a company. Now that's a major transition just to go from Catholic school education into corporate. Yeah, it, it was. Um, I think that, you know, the opportunity just landed in my lap. I was looking for mm-hmm. a change and someone said, hey, this company is hiring. And I went in and interviewed and that was it. I didn't really, I didn't really do an active job search. I just kind of had the thought in my head. And then someone said, try this. <laughs> and it worked out. So I went that path. Um, there was an educational piece to this as well, helping people understand their healthcare benefits. So 
Um, it also mm -hmm. tied into certain social justice issues. I really believe in patient advocacy and um, helping people to navigate an often fractured system uh, during a very vulnerable time in their lives. So there was a great deal of fulfillment there on many levels, um, but it wasn't what made me happy. And I know we'll get to that later because that is the pivot point that we'll be focusing on or one of them today. Um, so after, the first thing I want to say about that is that nothing that follows this is a knock on corporate life. I am not one of those people who thinks that, you know, everyone in the corporate world is a drone and that the only way to be on authentic is to drop off the grid and like make your clothes from hemp. You know, that's great too. I, I like that too. But um, what I am trying to say is that oh, however great your setup is, if it's not where your soul is meant to thrive, you will be unhappy. And that is what right. I began to experience with greater depth and frequency as my time in the corporate world went on. Um, and I, at first I thought, oh, you know, it's just the phase I'm going through and I can do things on the side kind of unofficially. And I really tried to just tolerate it for a long time. I'm, it's, I'm the kind of person who needs, I need more than a gentle nudge to make a big move. I need, I need something a little bit mm -hmm. more forceful. And, but my happiness really, ungrew, really grew to the point where I was crying on the way to work every day. And it just, I, I felt so stifled. Um, and again, nothing, no one there mistreated me. In fact, I found more kindness in the corporate world than I did in um, several of the religious settings that I worked in previously. Um, so it just, it just wasn't where I was supposed to be. I really appreciate that distinction and not making mm -hmm. one the evildoer over the other. But so one day I, I was in work and um, I just... I don't know what happened. It wasn't, there wasn't that anything particular happened, but something in me, like a, a, a switch was flipped and I took off my headset and put it down. I had a pounding headache and I went to my supervisor and said, I have to leave. I'm not feeling well. So, you know, just stop my pay, do whatever you have to do. Um, I'm, I'm going to leave. And I did. I just left at like 9:30 in the morning and I did what I usually do when when I'm you know in need of guidance I, I went to a coffee house and um <laughs> it didn't work I just I sat there I was in this malaise and it just wasn't working so then I did the other thing I usually do which is um write and uh, I stopped at a CVS and I picked up a journal and a pen and um I drove to a graveyard because <laughs> you know it's quiet there <laughs> so I um yes it's quiet and and I've always found them to be peaceful um you know just sort of a a great um place to be in touch with your own self and I sat down um under a tree and I wrote and I said I'm not leaving here until I've at least hashed out something that shows me some possibility of happiness somewhere. And I did that for several days. Now I did go back to work. You know, I, you know, it wasn't like I just walked out and never went back, but I spent a lot of time over the next couple of months. Um, this was, this was May of 2016, um, or I'm sorry, 2015. I spent a couple of, of weeks really writing. And then I started learning. I took classes in um, local classes in meditation and self-love um, because I thought oh, if wow. I need to change something 
self-awareness and self-love are the necessary foundation for that. So um, I sort of threw myself into that world. And by the end of the year, I had created WordTree, which is my, my company. It wasn't official yet. I didn't have, you know, the LLC until the next year, but I had a website. And then in January, someone actually gave me money to write. It was crazy. <laughs> I bet that feeling was unforgettable, yeah, it was really, right? It was like, oh my gosh, this is something that I love and someone's going to give me these, you know, these funny pieces of paper with president's faces on it and I can buy stuff with it. It's just so weird. <laughs> <laughs> so it kind of went on from that and, and the, the evolution of the services that I offered, you know, began with resumes, but I really began to notice and fall in love with the LinkedIn format because it is so, um, so congruent with the life of a storyteller. It is a place for telling stories. And that's what mm. hooked me. And I'm not saying you won't see sort of the cookie cutter template there, but more and more, I really feel, and I actually just wrote this in a message to someone this morning, that LinkedIn is on the, the forefront of this groundswell of personality um, and authenticity in the way we represent ourselves as businesses and business people in the mm -hmm. world and the way that we relate to others. And I think that's a great place to be. I'm happy to be part of that. I've never perceived LinkedIn in this way that you're sharing. I, I'm, a, I'm kind of baffled, <laughs> actually. You know, as in many things, you will find what you look for or and where you're oriented towards. So um, there are definitely people who still use it just as that online receptacle for their resume, and it's very transactional. But if you're looking for a place where there's also something different, this is it. This is the place where you can have that, too. And how, as WordTree was birthed, what was, how was that transformation for you? I mean, we talk about LinkedIn, but you're also meeting, what I'm noticing in, in your story is you're meeting people in a very vulnerable mm -hmm. space. You know, resume is not a mm -hmm. flippant choice or crossroads to be um, interacting with someone. And, and what is that like for oh, you? Kate, you I know, love it. It is so, it is it is such an honor to meet people in that space. And I have such a passion for helping people to um, feel good about themselves and their potential and their prospects. I work um, with all different kinds of people, you know, from corporate high, very high level executives to stay at home moms re-entering the workforce. And what I really love to focus on um, are people who maybe in times of transition, um, they're switching careers, they're re-entering the workforce after having raised a child or cared for um, an aging parent or whatever the, the circumstance might be. And I can't tell you how many people have said to me, I feel so relieved after talking to you. That to me is the payoff. I want people to breathe that sigh of relief and know that their skills matter, that what they have to offer matters, that they don't have to approach this with an apology. I've been out of work for a long time. Oh, don't wow. start that way. I raised a child and I'm here to bring this to the table. I took care of my sick mom and I'm here to bring this to the table. I had a 30 year career in sales and I'm here to bring this to your new table. Those are marvelous things. Think of the courage in that. Think of the wealth of experience. That's, I want people to approach this from a position of power and joy, 
And that's what I try to bring to the experience. Yes, there is the best practices and the keywords and the right formatting and all of that. And, and that is part of what I do. But really, it is also about helping people to claim their own power and who they are in that exact moment when they feel most vulnerable and unsure. That's revolutionary. Social justice is what you're doing. Well, it's because without your livelihood, right, mm -hmm. and feeling good about what you're doing, that affects every aspect it does. of it your plays life. Into family relationships, um, it plays into yeah your health. And I can hear you know how this would be a social change platform because there's a lot of shame, you know, mm -hmm. in the linearity yes. of the workforce that you don't stay on that mm -hmm. constant upward swing, but life does, life is cyclical, life is cyclical you know, multidimensional. So it's, and that is, I think, you know, right. something that a more old fashioned way of thinking didn't take into account, but really the world is changing. Businesses are changing and we are in an exciting time where we can help to advance the, the shift of that corporate conversation. Um, yeah. I agree with you. And I think I, I think it's interesting that mm. it's birth and death mm -hmm. that are forcing the conversation. Because they're, they're they are the same thing, you know, as um, at the time of this recording, you know, being only about a year and a half into new motherhood, you aren't the same person that you there's a to, to bring in a birth, there's a death. And if you've ever been close to death, yeah, oh, so there's true. birth. Mm. It, it's, you know, it's hard earned, and it's a little less adorable than the, the the newness of a of a child but but in both ways our culture doesn't want to look at both sides like for a child they only mm. want to talk about the sweetness and the newness they don't want to talk about the anxiety the fear of the new parent the exhaustion they don't want to they don't want to talk about that and then in death you only talk about the despair but no one wants mm. to hear about the transcendental nature that can happen right. when a loved one well leaves. because it's messy Right. It's messy. But but that, right. that messiness is where the humanity and the transcendence is. You have to get down into the, the nitty gritty of it. And I think that's something that takes time and compassion and a breath of vision, um, which isn't what the work world has traditionally been touted for. But I, I really do see a, a sea change there. I agree with you. I think we, we the pendulum of life always swings, right? You know, um, even when you see fashion coming back, you're like, I thought that died in the 80s. Here it is. So compassion and work ideals can do the same thing. And I, you know, I know there was a, another pivot that you had made or when we talked about rebirth, you know, the title of, uh, of the podcast is about mm -hmm. making choices that change you, you know, and I know that you had made some choices in the past two years that you were going to share with us about work, the, the balance of work and family yeah. and listening to sure, oneself. Sure. Do you want to talk so, a little bit about um, that? September, not this past September, but the one before um, I lost, we lost our dad. My dad died and um, he wasn't terribly sick leading up to that. There wasn't, you know, he had COPD, but that is not a death sentence. That's something that people live with for many, many years. So there wasn't, um, an indication or a terminal illness or, or anything like that. He was quite young. Um, so, but about a year and a half before he passed, um, I just sort of felt this internal um, urging to spend more time with him in particular and with my parents together. 
And I didn't have any kind of premonition that we would be losing him soon. Um, It wasn't based in fear. It wasn't like, geez, your time might be running out. You better do this. It was do this. And it was, it was issued as um, an invitation, uh, but a firm one, but not a scary one, if that makes any sense. can Can I ask two small detail questions? Where are you in the evolution of your business when this invitation on, comes? Um, in the building of my official business right. at WordTree LLC, um, I'm gaining new clients, establishing my credibility. It was a really pivotal time. Right. So I would like that. It's not that you were oh, already gosh, sitting no. back saying, mm-hmm. I've made it. Right. You right. Were, right. You were building your business. And then as uh, before we continue on to the story, in, in, someone listening is it fair to say that you hearing this probably was part of your lifestyle, but do you feel like you were listening because of some of the classes you told us you were taking earlier when you made the change for your business? Or do you have a daily practice that you help clear the space I, to listen? I, I, like, do how not, does that... I always want to have a daily practice. <laughs> Every day I say, I wish I had a daily practice. <laughs> But really what it ends up being is just that, you know, the classes gave me tools and helped to bring things into focus, but I've been a bit of an oddball my whole life. Really? Really? I'm just, I'm a reflective person Mm -hmm. and um, it's just sort of my nature. And as I have grown and matured and expanded my ability to tap into that, it's something that happens, um, sort of naturally for me. And I guess the closest I get to building in space for it is driving. I love driving. And um, I love driving Mm. to a destination. I love driving when I have no place to go. Um, And I I really use that time to to talk to God, to talk to myself, to um, just ponder things. And that, you know, I do meditate, but it's, there's no set frequency or habit as of yet. Um, but I, I, it's just sort of a built into the fabric of the way that I live to, to take those moments when they come. I love it. I think that's important for everyone to know that there's not this magic, like, just like anything else. It's not what the tool is, is it's how you sit inside of yourself. So it's just being in relationship with Mm -hmm. yourself. Is that a fair, you know, Okay, so you you hear um, a yeah, whisper, it's really? Sort of, what, is that um, a- you know, uh, for folks who are familiar with the chakras who are listening, heart chakra, it was right there. It, I really um, just sort of in 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 my chest, I felt I felt it. It was a physical feeling too. It, it just sort of everything in my being, body, mind, and, and spirit was urging me forward to do this. Um, and it didn't, there, again, there was nothing negative, like, um, like an ultimatum, but it was just such a forward momentum Mm -hmm. that was coming from inside of me that I I couldn't deny it. I wouldn't deny it. Um, so I started making time and that led to, as you had intimated earlier, um, some decisions, which were, you know, at the, on one hand, not hard to make, but on the other hand, very hard to make because I was trying to establish myself in my business and I turned clients away to full, you know, to see my parents. I aimed for wow. weekly. I aimed to see them weekly. And, um, uh, I, 
sometimes was a day late getting something done. And I would always reach out to the person and say, you know, um, I'm almost finished with your project and I'd be grateful if you allowed me to email the completed project to you in the morning. Um, But they came first and I did that for a year and a half. And then my dad did start to get, you know, he, he was in the hospital off and on for a couple of weeks before he passed. And I basically moved in with my mom and would, you know, in the days preceding and following his passing. Um, and it was, I, I know that I've shared this with you before. Um, if I live to be a hundred years, this will remain one of the best things I have ever done in my life. Um, it was so healing on so many levels. Um, As with all parents and children, relationships have their ups and downs and their intricacies. And certainly ours had that too. Mm -hmm. But this was such a time of me being able to circle back to them as an adult and see them as people rather than Mm -hmm. as my parents. Mm -hmm. Not that they stopped being that Mm -hmm. for me, but um, as as you grow up, you see them in a different light and you understand that Um, they came to this, they didn't come down as these gods from Mount Olympus with, you know, a perfect formulation of what, how to go through life and raise a child. They're people just like you and seeing them in that light, um, really deepened my friendship with both of them. Um, and we just, we had such fun together. I, I cooked Indian food for my dad. Now my mom can't have spicy food. Like if there's a pepper even in the room, oh. she said, I can't eat that. That's too spicy. <laughs> so usually I need two lunches, something like really bland for her and then exciting food for me and my dad. Um, so I cooked for them. We watched, my dad was a great devotee of really campy horror movies. So, oh yes, yes. So any movie that the oh, plot really? was a group of goofy people go into the woods and a really fake looking beast attacks them and one person gets out, that's the whole movie. <laughs> We watched every iteration of that movie (laughs) that has ever been made. Um, And my mom loves QVC. So we were watching that together. It just, it was, there was nothing profound. We didn't like sit and, you know, you know, read esoteric texts together or something. It was simple, joyful family time. And I, it is a, it is like a treasure. It is worth far more than anything that will ever be in my wallet or bank account or any place else in my life. I am so grateful for having followed that urging. How, if it did, how did that help or hinder your grief sure. process? Which is not linear. And I don't mm-hmm. assume just for anyone listening, because we've, we've talked a little bit, but if someone's listening, I don't believe grief is linear at all. But just where you stand right now, um, and you can answer as much as you want, but I, I feel like this section of humanity is so mm-hmm. barely addressed. And it, 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 yeah. it needs to be spoken to, to, you know. So how did that, how did that, that decision um, help or hinder your grief process? It definitely didn't hinder it. Um, I'm not sure that I would say it helped it either. I think it changed the quality of it and the depth of it. I think that um, maybe the grief would have been, it would have been a different flavor if um, it would have been a different taste and feeling to it. If I had thought when he died, well, I didn't really spend time with him. 
or, but the fact that I did and we got closer made it harder. So it's, it's harder, mm-hmm. but in different ways, but I would choose this pain over the other. Beautifully said. I think sometimes when things are difficult, I know for myself and my humanness, I can avoid them. You know, and I'm not talking about death in particular. I'm just saying like that can be a human thing to be like, that is painful. I would prefer not to feel that, you know, and to say that it's not quantitative, you know, how it changes the process, but it just changes it. And that that's enough, you know, that someone can't look at, um, oh, Marissa spent time with her parents and that made it easier. So I'm going to do that. That's not what's being said. It's, it's Marissa listened to herself and can sit inside of herself because she listened to herself. That's what I'm hearing, you know, which doesn't mean that there's not difficulty and peaks and valleys as we all have. I mean, it goes with love to the, to the degree that you open yourself to love. You also open yourself to pain, but it's, I guess it's how, you know, that the image that's coming to mind right now is, um, I do a lot with graphics and when I do use colors, there's a little bar that says saturation and you can slide it up or down. And I guess it's how much you want your life to be saturated, right? If you want to keep the pain low, you keep the love low too, because it's the only way to protect yourself. You saturate it less. If you want greater depth of feeling and joy, you have to increase the saturation and also opens the door for greater heartache. But I believe that they go hand in hand. That's beautiful. Thank you for that. Is there anything else that, and there doesn't have to be, but I don't want to just move. Is there anything else you would like to share about your father or that time or your mother or, or are we complete in this moment? Um, I think we're complete in this moment. There were many lessons learned um, from that experience, but I think that they are possibly on a different topic and, and um, could be, you know, points of conversation at some other time. Where are, which, you know, that that makes us feel like, oh, we want to hear more, which is fantastic because people can find you in a bunch of different formats and forums. Now you're speaking, you're doing speaking engagements, working with small business or or, um, larger businesses. Um, I know that you're working to support women entrepreneurs. Um, and you're also kind of circling back, well, whatever, I guess it's an overused term, but you're working with graduates too. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? So exciting to me, Kate, because I have never stopped feeling like an educator. Um, and I should qualify that for me, educator, and um, I know for you as well, does not mean, you know, the phrase sage on a stage. <laughs> That's not right. my picture. Um, when I say educator, I really um, have more of a feeling of being a co-creator with somebody and um, someone, you know, who works alongside you to help point out the beauty that's already within you. And yes, supplies, maybe some technical expertise, knowledge gaps are the easiest thing to fill. Um, You know, um, an audio book can do that. A, a, A YouTube video can do that, but a real educator is someone who will walk alongside you and help you tap into how you can manifest that in your own life. Um, so that is how I see my purpose in working with graduates. Um, it is such an exciting time in your life. And I truly believe that as you move forward into the work world, you know, um, 
in a more professional capacity. Maybe you were doing um, smaller jobs or jobs that are not in the field that you'll be moving into while you were in college. But as you move forward into your career, um, I truly believe that you do not have to choose between whatever your definition of success is and being true to yourself. I don't think that's an either or. Um, so what I love to do is work with people at that stage in their lives to help them communicate themselves in the most authentic way so that they don't begin on, on a road that will very quickly lead to unhappiness for them. And why is that? I mean, this isn't fair, but as you have met numerous people that transition, maybe not graduates, but just in general, why do you think we've bought into that? We're not, I guess that's back to self-worth that we, we can't do what we love. And it, you know, that that can look in a lot of different forms, right? We might not all be in the pinnacle of our career in the moment, right? But how do you think we could change that? Is it with what you're imparting now with the graduates, you know, that you don't have to compromise? I, I think that that's one component of it. If we start, that's a, that's a way of being proactive, right? Because it, it's getting at mm -hmm. the issue before it really germinates and becomes a lifetime of having built something that wasn't where your soul was happiest. Um, and that can change over time. I also don't mean to imply that you, you pick one thing and then you you have to stick with it. But I also believe that this is possible at any point in life and that the, the method that is best for changing it, um, there are some commonalities for everyone, but I think it's a highly individualized path as well. The things that are in common would be a willingness to evaluate your life in a realistic and heart-centered way, um, not just by, um, by the status quo and by the dictates of society that are commonly accepted. As for an example, um, if I'm not making $40,000 a year, I won't be able to live. And if I don't do this job, I won't make $40,000 a year. Those are sort of, we have these scripts in our head that we might not even realize that we're buying into. And so I think the first thing that needs to happen when anyone is looking at making a change is being willing to say, some of my scripts can be unwritten and new scripts can be written. Just the willingness to admit it doesn't have to be that way is the first step. And then the willingness to look inside and see what could be. And finally, there is trust. There is trust in yourself and there is trust in the universe, whether you call it universe or God or source or whatever your terminology is. Trust in the fact that when you live your life on purpose, um, there is support there. And something that I like to say, and I know I've said this to you before, is I truly do believe that the universe is underwritten with benevolence. And when we align ourselves with that, we experience um, maybe not success in traditional terms always and immediately, although it certainly can lead to that, but we experience the fulfillment that leads to um, success on many, many levels we may never have dreamed of. My silence is just an absorption of. Oh my goodness. I'm glad I thought it wasn't just like the ramblings of a crazy person. 
<laughs> no, and I can feel that. I just want to remind anyone listening, if you're listening to her speak and feeling like, I, I feel soothed and I feel a bomb and I, I, I feel at once practical and euphoric, I, I encourage you to reach out. There's a lot of ways to work with Marissa. And I think um, you have so many ways to help turn people inward to move onward and onward in, in a way that, that they've always wanted to stand inside of themselves. So um, I think looking at life through the lens that the, that, that it's underwritten um, with benevolence is a powerful um, statement from a wordsmith. And um, I think it's something that w- we can all be reminded of, you know, and that's why, that's why it takes community because even in your strength, I'm sure there's days that you need to remind yourself of your own oh, goodness, beliefs. Yes, absolutely. Right? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that's part of the idea of this is to bring conversations so that if you're having a day that you need to be reminded, we all need that. So, so this new graduate that is standing before you can come and, and work with you and, and sit with you or someone that a mom that, you know, was out and, you know, no one's appreciating her. I mean, I've learned multitasking mm-hmm. in ways I didn't even know were possible. Or you know, somebody who, like you, shepherded um, uh, an elder onward, you know, in a loving and caring way, can can find that presence or an invitation to turn back yes. inward, you know, because we all have those mm-hmm. moments in our life. If we're living our life, we have a moment where we, we need help mm-hmm. refinding our compass. I think it's sure. kind of designed that way, right? If we're going to keep evolving. So, um, how does it, so if someone's listening and, you know, we're going to end soon, but if you're going to work with a graduate, just bring it really practical for us. What does that mean? Like, okay, I'm in the car, I'm listening. I have somebody graduating from college. What do I do? Call me (laughs) and (laughs) it's that practical. (laughs) Call me, send me an email. Um, right. I will be having, you know, graduation season is coming up soon and, um, I will be having a graduate special package. Um, but it's certainly, I can work with people on an individual basis to customize to what they need. Um, so all inclusively what I, I would hope to do for people, um, for graduates is to supply them with, um, or help them create a resume and a LinkedIn profile, um, that will really represent them, not just optimally to potential employers, but optimally for their own authenticity and, um, belief in their core values and belief in who they are, their identity. Um, that is sandwiched between that's sort of the middle work. The beginning is in-depth consultation with the graduate. Uh, It always starts with talking together. Um, First, I send an intake form because that gives me an idea of where they're coming from. I digest it. I study it. I formulate my own questions. And we have a Zoom session together to hash it out, go over what they gave me. I ask them questions, pull out pieces that need to be clarified. I really want to not just read their words on paper, but hear their voices and hear what sections make them rise with excitement and what sections maybe drag a little bit was so okay so maybe that's not really what you wanted to do but it just was in what you studied right so so that's part of it and then the the closing piece 
is more consultation, but it's more like coaching and mentoring, um, where I give um, practical tips on how to leverage these two um, items, the resume and the LinkedIn profile. Now that you've got them, what do you do with them? How do you get the most out of them to make them valuable tools for your, your happiness, your happiness and success as you move forward? That is amazing. I mean, I mean, it's so it's so needed, and to be reminded that someone can have a craft and a and um, a tool that can help you externally, but hears you, you know, and that's that's what we what's mm-hmm. we what we need more of right now today is just to be heard and have someone to give us their full presence, which is what you do. And I, I appreciate um, having you here today. I really, really appreciate you taking the time and sharing so authentically and and honestly with us. Um, oh my gosh, Kate, it was such an honor. And I cannot believe that the time flew like that. <laughs> it's really fun, actually. That's what I've learned. If you surround yourself with fun people, it just it's, it's a time flight. It, it doesn't really exist. So just to remind you, if you're listening and you want to find her, you can go on Instagram at WordTree. Um, your website is wordtree.net. And they can link up with you on LinkedIn. Absolutely. My Instagram is still pretty sucky right now. I'm not the best on that. But Facebook is probably where you can find me. Um, Facebook, LinkedIn, and website. Thank you, Marissa. (laughs) Have a beautiful rest of your day. Thank you so much.